Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Hi, today we're talking to Mindy Dutka of Dogs I Meet. Her new project, Tales of Support, T-A-L-E-S, goes into how dogs have supported us during the pandemic, the roles they play. They're a shining light, their joy, their happiness. They help us stay in the moment. Please join me for hearing Mindy's Stories of the Dogs People Meet. I am so glad to have my good friend. I mean, we have been, it's like we're long lost sisters. Uh, so here we are with Mindy Dutka, the one and only dogs I meet purveyor who now has a new adventure that she's working on, which is Tales, T-A-I-L-S, of support, outlining how pets have helped us during the pandemic. So Mindy, thank you so much for coming back. I know your last podcast was a big hit. So we're having you back again because what you do with taking pictures and telling stories with pictures for people and for um, just life has been life-changing for so many people. Well, thank you so much for having me back. It's it's really a pleasure, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about my passion project, Tales of Support. Um, it came about because um, through the pandemic and through the heaviness and the isolation, um, for me, my dogs um, have been such a, you know a support, and I've been fascinated by how people are now getting dogs uh, and the role that dogs are playing um, in this pandemic. And it's a very important role and one that deserves to be documented. Um, so Tales of Support is about really how dogs are supporting us along the way. Um, and they are a shining light. Their unconditional love is something that brings joy and and lightness and happiness and makes people remember to stay in the moment. Um, so I wanted to document that um, through photos and through narrative. So I've been doing stories of um, people and everybody's story is a little bit different. Um, but the, 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 theme that runs through is the dog. The dog is their savior. I mean, they're, they're basically keeping them sane. Um, and, um, and the photos are such a wonderful um, 
document um, a visual of, of that bond between the dog and the humans. And um, when I do the photo shoots and I look at the photos afterwards, I mean, you can see it and it's, it's, it's reciprocated. I mean, the look on the people's face, the look on the dog's face, um, you know, and the interaction is just such a special thing. And I want, you know, what you're doing, um, telling the story about pets, that have come into people's lives or been in people's lives and enhanced them due to the pandemic is such a great story to tell. Let me ask you a question. When you're doing these pictures, are these dogs that just came into someone's sphere because of the pandemic, are they dogs that are in the sphere before and are now so much more greatly appreciated for what they bring to the family or are they a mixture of both? They are a mixture of both. Um, you know, some people are have always had dogs and always love their dogs, um, but now they have all of this time and it's changed the dynamic. I like to say it's sort of leveled out. You know, now the dog is on the same plane versus just waiting at home every day and being, you know, a part of a busy day. Now um, they're practically the highlight of the day. And a lot of times they provide structure. Um, and in, in a, I've had someone describe it as my dog is a touch therapist. My dog is physical therapy. My dog is mental therapy. Um, physically, because, you know, the dog has to be walked. So you have to get out. The dog has to be fed. You can't stay in bed all day. Um, you know, when this pandemic first started and it was so overwhelming, uh, adjusting and getting used to things. But, you know, there was that structure. And people found that having to get out and do and walk the dog was incredibly helpful. And also, you know, just on a tactile basis, just having this cuddly, lovable, you know, dog to pet, even to break up a Zoom call. Um, <laughs> you and know, I had many of those broken up. <laughs> exactly. I had a great story of, of a family with two young boys. And one of the, the boys actually he had started off afraid of dogs and they adopted two dogs during the, the process. And um, now he, he loves the dog. And this boy needed structure um, and he did not like the video for, for the school classes. The dog represented him. So the dog sat in the chair and they looked at the dog and, and it was just took so much stress away from the boy. Um, and now, you know, he's so focused on feeding the dog and training the dog. And, and it's just become such a positive aspect that, that, I mean, I don't even think his mom realized that that would occur and such, a, you know, monumental change um, from the love of the dogs. It's interesting because in regular life, pre-pandemic, he would have been going to school every day and he wouldn't have had the opportunity to really bond with this dog or this dog with him to such an extent that they could find these new and different roles that weren't even available before the pandemic. So looking at it from a positive point of view, the animals that have come into our lives now have really created that new i loved when you said it's a it's a tactile it's a physical and it's a mental so you're you're touching them your your heart rate's going down you're walking with them so you're getting some physical exercise and you're also decompressing when you when you do all those three things so your mental health is assisting 
assisted by the fact that you have to really do something with these dogs. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I feel that people really enjoy telling their story. Um, They want to honor their dog. They want to, you know, I've had such a positive response to people wanting to be a part of this project. Um, And it's very cathartic for them. And the overall project is a, is a fun experience for them. Um, and even, you know, it makes them, a lot of them have, have given a lot of thought to how the dogs have helped them, but telling the story just sort of sets it more in their mind and takes it a level deeper for them to think about what the dog has done for them. So let me ask you a question. Now, a lot of, um, write articles and stories that are being told about pandemic puppies. I mean, Marty Greer just wrote a great book about pandemic puppies from a veterinarian's point of view. um, And you are doing this wonderful project. Um, How might some of those stories have a few bumps and um, crevasses and rabbit holes in them? Because of course, people got dogs who may or may not have known how to train a dog and trainers were um, as scarce as hen's teeth. (laughs) Once everyone got young dogs and then were calling the trainers. And of course there was social distancing and they wanted to stay safe as well. Some of them went totally virtually. And did any of the people who you've interviewed so far who got new dogs find that there was a transition period that they needed to navigate um, and have they thought about what happens next? Well, that is definitely in the dog community, something that is causing a lot of concern of all these people that got dogs. And also, you know, like they just don't a dog is a family member and a dog is forever it's living, breathing. And it's going to be there in the morning. <laughs> exactly. And it, it may not always be perfect. Um, and, you know, those of us who have children, we love our children and our children are not all perfect. And you don't just say, oh, I'm done with you. I'm going to give you back from where I got you or, or any of those things. So um, the people that I have interviewed thus far, um, I think, have a very, very deep bond um, and have with, made a commitment to that dog long-term, short-term. And have made a commitment to their dog. But, you know, I actually, I, I lost my 16-year-old golden doodle um, this past September. Um, and I just want to add also that that was a silver, the pandemic was a silver lining for me that I got to spend the last five months of her life with her that I wouldn't have. Right. Um, but we adopted another dog and this dog, we are the, the dogs a year. When we got her, she was a year old. We were her third family because then nobody, they got her. The first family had three toddlers and they got. Oh God. Exactly. With no fourth toddler. Right. With no concept of it. And it was just, Oh, she's too much work. They gave her to somebody else. That person had no con. That was a couple, you know, had had no concept of what it was. And the dog was not trained properly, you know, and dogs, she's a high energy dog. She's a smart dog. And you have to, you know, dogs want to be good dogs, but it's our responsibility to help them become that good dog. Um, and, you know, she's a wonderful dog. But, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's of support. Her- would require, I'm sorry to jump in, but it just popped into my brain. Tales of support would require that you support them as much as they support you, especially if they're young, they're naughty because puppies are usually not naughty for the first two or three weeks you have them. And then they become really naughty. And those sharp teeth 
when they're really young puppies could really, you got it, the puppy at least after the sharp teeth were gone, which is always a blessing. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, this, this um, tales of support, yeah, they're going to give you as much love and support as you need, but they also need, like any good kid, um, right. some direction. Exactly. And, you know, my hope too is this project is that I want, it's such an unprecedented time. Um, and, and it's a time that hopefully sooner rather than later we'll be on the other side of it. But it's, there are lessons to be learned. You know, there are good things that came out of it, there are bad things. And it's an important part now of our history um, and to look back on it. So, time to grow. I mean, grow an understanding of what you can take on and don't be ashamed because you and I have both talked about this a number of times. If, if a dog can't really matriculate into your life, if it starts back up again, is it better to leave it home alone or is it better to try to find a better home or work with a rescue or a foster? It might be because we don't want the dogs to stay somewhere they're not wanted because someone's embarrassed about giving them back. But we also want to support people in knowing, okay, we know you're overwhelmed. We know you're frustrated, but there are ways to um, guide this wonderful living being that has given you so much to become a better citizen. Uh, absolutely. And uh, my hope is that these, you know, these stories, they live on and they remind people when they start thinking about, oh, it's no longer convenient, whether it was their story or somebody else's like these dogs are amazing. These dogs saved us. These dogs were there, you know, when, when you know, we needed them in every possible way. So that's also kind of I, I, I want that recognition for the dogs and I want these stories stories, you know, through the photos, through the narrative to live on um, and remind people of, of what dogs are. And what you said is true. And I think that the dog community is trying very hard to provide support for people um, and an understanding of it, it's not a black or white situation. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it and the way that you talk about how you ask questions and and the way you come at things. Um, you know, maybe when someone says they have to return the dog to the shelter, it's really because they can't afford to feed the dog and they're too embarrassed to say that. Well, now there's all kinds of programs that are providing food you know, and there's no shame. Uh, um, there's no shame in anything. We're all just trying to survive. <laughs> and, um, you know, so to bring these these programs out, to bring the education and the resources out um, of dogs being a family member and we're supporting them. We want to support you in, in caring for these dogs. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a circle. It's, it's yeah. not a straight line. <laughs> and op asking open-ended questions like, tell me more, Mindy, why you can't keep Fluffy. Um, mm -hmm. Is it really so that you have to bear your soul that I have no money and I can't feed them or, you know, bites my kids or whatever it is. Oh. Really, it's the kind of thing that if you ask it in a kind and curious way, you're going to enable someone to give you the information that, A, like I said before, the dog would be better finding a home because this is a Hi, baby. Uh, this isn't the best uh, situation for it, given the changes. And yes, they were there to support the person during the pandemic. But now once pandemic 
stops, maybe not. Uh, but also, like you said, availing them of, did you know that the high school near you has a program where the students come and let dogs out now of the pandemic so that they can make a little money, $5 a day, $10 a day, whatever, to take your dog for a walk or to let it out in your fence backyard to enable people to really, you know, start a little business, uh, do something that's important so that you can keep the dog and know that the dog is going to be cared for uh, or fed. So it, it's it's just about, as you said, educating and communicating and letting people know about resources that are not, you know, shameful. Uh, if I need dog food, I'm going to go try to find dog food. I always leave dog food at the supermarket because I never know um, if people need dog food. And I love to turn some in just in case they either need it at the shelter or the shelter gives it to new adoptees because we're all in this together. And the dogs bring us so much love and so much support that we need to take a little bit of a minute when we're in overwhelm, which I know, Mindy, you and I have not been in overwhelm over the past year at all. So, you know, sometimes you act in haste and regret and leisure. So if you give the person the time with open-ended questions to ask the, tell me more, not why are you getting rid of the dog? Oh my God, you wanna shut down a conversation? Say that, why are you getting rid of the dog? Is it too much? I'm like, okay, so that's never going to really, you know, start a great conversation. But if you say, oh, Mindy, I am so sorry that this is happening. Tell me more and then shut up and listen. Right. You know, it's interesting because um, some things that I didn't really expect the project to to bring me um, is that, you know, people see that I'm doing this. People read the stories. People know that I, you know, I'm dogs, all about dogs and love dogs. Right. I had somebody that sent me an email recently, totally unrelated, sort of apologetic that her dog had cancer um, and she can't afford the treatment. And she knows this isn't what I do, but maybe do I know of any resources? Would I share on my social media or go on me? So I got back to her and I do, you know, we all do because when this is your world, there's a, all kinds of people doing wonderful, wonderful things. Right. And I was able to give her four different resources, um, you know, for when you cannot pay your, your, your vet bill. And one of the resources, um, they're just about finishing it up, is going to hopefully pay for half of the treatment they've, they've taken her on. Um, and that was just so, you know, that was an aside that had nothing. I didn't expect something like that. Just because she reached out and said, hey, I need some help. Does anybody know of anything? And no one was judging her. And if there wasn't anything out there and she decided to put the dog to sleep because of the cancer, that's something to be okay with too, because she did the best she could. Right. Um, you know, there's always that discussion on whether or not you put yourself in, in extreme debt uh, to save your dog or to make your dog comfortable and everybody's choice is their own, but whatever choice you make is your choice. And I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to say, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's fine. And when your dog, God forbid, has an issue like this, you can choose to do what you want. But when my dog has it, I want to choose what I want. And all of them are done nine times out of 10 with compassion and love. Um, and it, unfortunately, sometimes a complete understanding of reality that, you know, I have to feed my kids or whatever. There's, you know, there's a lot going on that we don't know that when you open, when you ask those questions, like she asked you um, and you ask open-ended questions and you give um, ideas and thoughts that might work out, like the ones you gave her that did work out. I mean, that gave her a whole new 
breath of fresh air and opportunity to work with her dog. Right. Exactly. So, you know, this, this project, um, you know, it has layers, I think. And it's also, it's very heartwarming. There is a lot of sadness and, and, and um, heaviness within the stories, but it's always, there's a piece of it that's very, very heartwarming. And that having the dog, people see a silver lining to being able to have life slow down and, and spend time with their dog. Um, so it gives me joy to, you know, tell these stories and share these stories. Uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit, if you can, um, about some of those stories, if you want to share some of them so people will know what they're going to hear more about uh, that really warmed your heart or that really, you know, pulled at your heartstrings because of the events that occurred. You know, they really ranged from the people who were home. Every you know, they were totally housebound and having the dog and what the dog did for them while they were home. And then there were several healthcare workers that I um, interviewed who are gone 12 hours out of the day, a grueling the things that they saw and that they experienced. I mean, you know, literally they're coming home with their PTSD. Yeah. And there's the dog. And, you know, they've told me how the dog is how they make sense of what happened during the day because they have these long, they take their dog out for a walk at night and they have these long conversations with the dog and it, it clears their mind and it, it's like a refresh button and gives them the energy to go back the next day. You know, they talked about how the dog understands and dogs do their level of energy at night. You know, maybe the walks were slower. And then in the morning when they were trying to, you know, get back, the dogs were like, come on, come on. We got to be more energetic <laughs> in our walk. Um, you know, so um, that, um, you know, some people whose businesses totally went upside down and they struggled to pivot and then repivot and repivot. Um, and, you know, said my dog didn't even know it. They were just asking to go out for a walk. But spending an hour every day walking my dog in the woods, it was unbelievable for me, you, you know, when I would have preferred to just stay in bed yeah. um, kind of Definitely thing. got us out of bed for sure. Yeah. You know, um, people with children, you know, it was um, an activity. Let's go take the dog for a walk versus, you know, let's just go outside where they, they may not have. Um, so that was really something. It was interesting, too. Um, the dogs got. I think people thought more, particularly families, because, you know, normally they'd have such a busy schedule and maybe on the weekend their kids had soccer. So they took the dog to the soccer game. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. The dogs see this ball back and forth on the field with kids running. Like, of course, they're not going to behave. Yeah. So, you know, um, the suggestion was do, you know, and they weren't doing that now. They were doing something that the dogs enjoyed. Um, and then it turns out that they really enjoyed it um, and, and got a lot out of it. So, you know. You know, it's, it's interesting you said that because when my sons were young, uh, I would never bring my dogs to the soccer field. It was, it was painful for them because <laughs> they see the kids running around and they see the ball and, and it was painful for them. And people thought this was a great 
opportunity for the dog to get fresh air. And it's a great opportunity for the dog to get fresh air on your terms. I think what the pandemic has enabled is for the dog to give you the opportunity to get fresh air on their terms. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that, you know, these stories bring to light that um, and, you know, many other things. Um, So So refresh us a little about um, Dogs I Meet. So that was the photography that you did for shelters and for other people to let them see these dogs in in such a incredible way. Your your website is beautiful. The pictures on your website are phenomenal. Um, and then how can people find dogs I meet? And then of course, um, tales of uh, um, tales they. Uh, Tales, Tales of Support. support. Sorry. So, Sorry. Um, I'm hoping that Tales of Support, I'm just and about to launch it. A-I-L-S right now. No, it's T-A-L-E-S. So I apologize. Everyone. That's okay. That's okay. My tagline is because every dog has a tail. Yeah. So Dogs I Meet is my business, which is photography, dog photography. I do private commissions. I do work with pet-related brands and even sometimes non-pet-related brands, uh, um, you know, telling their story um, through dog dog photographs. And then I have the, my rescue arm, um, which is so important to share these stories. Um, without the visual, you know, there are people all over the country, all over the world doing amazing things. And my ability before the pandemic to go there and photograph and, and let people know about it has raised, you know, a fair amount of money, um, awareness. And, you know, it's just that storytelling is so important. Um, So that is, and this is just a project within my business um, that I'm doing because I'm passionate about it. And I think it's important. And as a storyteller, I, you know, am because every dog has a tail, I'm obsessed with telling and about the human dog bond. It's, it's, it's such a special relationship um, that has come into its own now with the pandemic. I mean, people who had had dogs before, um, understood the beauty of a dog, but I don't know that we all understood the beauty of a dog in your life to the extent we do now. Um, even if we've always had a dog in our life, I don't think that the the amount of comfort they've given us over these past you know 13 months has ever been explored the way it's been explored now. And exactly. of course, you know, understanding that it might you, we might not go back to the old way. And I think there were many commercials and cartoons where you're talking before about the long walks and everybody took the long walks and, you know, everybody wanted to have the dog in their life. And there were so many cartoons that said, oh, my God, when are they going back to work? Uh, Because the dogs (laughs) want to climb off. So you really had to pay attention to what the dogs were able to do, especially if they were older um, and what they needed to do if they were younger you're trying to work from home with a zoom and uh, your dog is zoom bombing or barking, you know, it's just something that happens and you all don't care anymore because it's sort of normal life. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think that um, there's a lot of talk now about when, depending on how people go back to work, that that's going to be a big employee perk and very important of allowing people to bring their dogs to work. So I, I mean, 
I hope we do. I, I, I think we will. And I hope we do see a shift um, because it just makes people happier. Um, and it's just more, I don't know, more human. Like I use dogs in, um, when I do headshots of people and it relaxes them. I see a completely, I get a different photograph. Yes. The minute they're holding a dog or petting a dog, they, they yeah. Their whole demeanor changes from, to, you know. <laughs> so most my of life. my business uh, photos, my professional photos were taken with my dog. Some of them right. were not. And it is a whole different look. Um, and, and I often never use the ones without my dogs in them because I just think the ones with my dogs in them, I don't, if, so you and I both feel probably the same way. If, you know, you are uncomfortable with the dog in my professional photo, Okay, I get it. But then probably we aren't on the same page um, and we could move on. And to that end, I always like to put in that, you know, my neutrality is always there when dogs go back to work or if they're, you know, allowed to come back to work with you. How do we accommodate the people who are allergic or afraid? Because they are the most disenfranchised people in the universe. Because if you don't like a dog, it right. is universally accepted that there is something wrong with it. However, we, uh, we have not walked in their shoes. And I know I've spoken to so many people, and I'm going to have a few more on the podcast, um, who, why do pets matter? Well, they don't because I'm allergic or I was bitten or whatever, because we really do have to, as dog owners, take ownership of our dogs. I think I put up yesterday somewhere, if my dog's on a leash and your dog's off leash and runs up on my dog, it's a recipe for a disaster. Because right. my dog might want to protect me. And so same thing when someone is running through the park, I have so many colleagues who've said the last thing I want to hear when a loose dog is running after me as I'm oh, running. Oh, he's friendly. You got it. You got it. I don't, I don't care. I don't <laughs> chasing me. And when your dog gets sprayed with mace, right? Uh, because this person has been bitten by a dog before you get all up in arms and, and it's like, yeah, but there's a leash loss. So when we talk about this and we talk about tales of support and we talk about dogs, we meet, it is responsibility to keep the dog safe in our sphere. And if, in fact, the dog doesn't come when you call, um, uh, appreciation and acknowledgement of the danger that poses is key. Absolutely. And I mean, in every aspect, you know, bringing them into the workplace, it's, it's a responsibility. And you need to, you know, have an understanding of dogs and the way that they think. Right. Uh, 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 uh. So you know, and that's and why our friend Spencer Hoggett, who uh, has bringing bringing people all over the world together in Rebound Dog, one of our colleagues in Rebound Dog, um, Kieran, has written a, a whole program that's going to be brought up to speed and out in um, Ireland uh, on how to take a responsibility, a responsible pet ownership test. Or you get a dog. And I think that is brilliant because I do too. people don't really know. If you buy from a pet store or you adopt from a rescue, you don't often get the mentorship you need to get through those hard times of your shoes being chewed or the sheetrock being chewed. Um, if you buy from a breeder, you have a better chance of getting someone who's going to mentor you. Uh, but you always want to have that mentorship. It's funny. Breeders sometimes say to me, well, you know, I don't want to be all over the new owner. You know, they want their autonomy. And I said, you know, they don't know what they know. They don't know what they don't know. And so if you don't go in and tell them, well, you have to do it this way. I said, they're more likely 
to listen to you. Oh my God, I had someone who chewed the sheetrock too, and this is what I did. It might help you rather than how could you let them chew the sheetrock? Why didn't you have them in a crate or whatever? It's just how, you know, speak the right words. It's just how you approach that conversation, which you mentioned before. You know, when you're, when someone's having trouble with a dog um, in their life, a puppy, or now an adolescent, which is, as we both know, since you had a one-year-old, the worst time of your life with a young dog is adolescence because A, they're a, bu- a bundle of energy, Um, And they need direction and they need a job. And so you need to think about what you're going to do to depress their energy, give them a job um, and let them know what you want. You know, being cross with them doesn't allow them to understand, you know, it's it's attention. So they're okay with crossness. And that's the thing you have to overcome. Exactly. Exactly. I think what um, Karen is is doing is brilliant. And he also talked about almost like a contract, especially with children, because we all know, you, you know, right. You know, so it, it, it's brilliant, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, we've sort of um, digress from tales of support, but I love that because that's what it, you know, I like that. It's just an opener to have a discussion about the different layers. And it's part of tales of support because people are going to talk about responsible ownership. So if they had had this test, when they got the dog, their, their tales of support might include, I had no idea what I was getting into. I took this project or I took this test and I realized what was there. And so my tale probably is better than what it would have been had I gone into it with my eyes closed as opposed to my eyes open. So everyone in the dog sphere takes the time to be compassionate and understanding and educational will help the tales of support during the pandemic be all good tales and not as we've heard, and as we hope to ameliorate um, tales that aren't so good because people didn't know what they were getting into. Right, exactly. And again, understanding everyone goes for the puppy. And I tell people, you know, why do you want a puppy? You know, there's these senior dogs that are the sweetest and they're going to come to you and just be grateful. They're, they're, train house train they don't chew on things they just want love you know there's so many different types of dogs it's it's not a one fits all and people are always like oh i I didn't even know about that i didn't even think about that Um, or they think that the problems are already embedded into the dog's dna which is which is sometimes something you have to work on. Absolutely. You can have a reactive dog or something that you have to work on or that they're about to get sick because they're old. So I don't want to have to pay a lot of vet bills. And, you know, that's not necessarily true either. So it really is something that people should consider. I always think, you know, if we could get a dog into the hands of older people when they can have dogs, um, in their facilities, that would make everybody's life talk about, um, tales of support people who are in um, independent living facilities who are allowed a 20 pound dog, it makes them get up in the morning. It's a world of difference. I shared a story. I have something um, I, I, which is called um, show and tell. <laughs> and um, somebody sent in a story about their parents. I think their mom was like 92 and their dad was 95 and they adopted a dog and the dog has been a saving grace. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah, they get us up in the the dog yeah. and dog save them. 
<laughs> like, you, like you said, you know, when when the pandemic started, a lot of the people who were telling you the tales were, was like, I wouldn't have gotten out of bed. I would have stayed under the covers because my work was gone or my, you know, everything was different. And I didn't know where my next meal was coming from or whatever. But the fact that the dogs were there gave them the support to know, OK, I'm just going to get up today and walk the dog. And that one action of forward momentum helps everybody think more clearly, even in the end of winter when it's snowing and you're walking the dog. And yesterday I was walking the dogs in the rain and that's a lot of fun too. I often think what the neighbors think of me because I'm out and, you know, I'm like the mailman, you know, no snow or rain or you know, fire brimstone. I'm out there with the dogs, but really it's for me. I mean, it's for them too, but it's really I want to take a break. So I'm so glad you stayed with us again, Mindy, because this has been just a wonderful conversation about, of course, um, Tails, T-A-L-E-S. And I'll make sure on the intro. There's a one on the T-A-I-L. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get both websites and that way we know. But Tales of Support as well as Dogs I Meet because this is giving people the ability to tell their stories about support during the pandemic from their pets and just the general support of animals across the board. So I'm so glad you're there telling those stories, Mindy. And I'm so glad you're here on Why Do Pets Matter to help us understand more about why pets are so, especially dogs in this case, but cats too. I have yes, great- cats too. Cats too. Everybody always says, what about the cats? I yeah. don't want to be, you know. Yeah, uh, I also want to say, I was going to say, I want to say, so if you have a story, someone has a story to share. Um, hello at Dogs I Meet. Right now, you know, because of the pandemic, it's very geographically specific, um, the stories that I'm taking. Um, I'm doing the Boston area. I will be um, towards the end of May in San Francisco. So I am looking for stories in the San Francisco area. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out because I'll be keeping a catalog so that as things open up and if I'm going to be in an area, I may be able to do the photo shoot um, for a story. If, if um, anybody is listening, you know, I, I think it's it's I want the stories to get out there. So whether it's by press, by word, by online, by social media, you know, I encourage everybody to reach out and to share this because it brings a smile. And as we've talked about it, it really makes people think about important things. Well, I'm so glad you're here and we will put all of that in the show notes so that everybody gets the right address. And this is Deborah Hamilton. Mindy, thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh, I did. It's always a pleasure like, chatting with you. We could go on forever. <laughs> I know we could. Um, this is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Law Mediation, the Why Do Pets Matter podcast, which you're listening to now. And don't forget the MAP community call on how to make a plan for the care of your pets, long or short term, in case something happens to you every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, this is Deborah Hamilton. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcasts. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.